With us today is Congressman Daniel Crenshaw, a former U.S. Navy SEAL and one uh, patriotic American from Texas. And uh, he's very much concerned about what's going on with our border, what's going on with our debt ceiling, and the migrants. Uh, good morning, uh, uh, Congressman Crenshaw. How are you today? I'm doing well, John. Great to be with you. Uh, tell us, uh, you, you, your, your district is down in Texas. How bad is the border problem? The border problem is uh, as bad as it's ever been. Um, you know, the numbers keep growing. I mean, it's, it's to the point where it's, it's hard to even comprehend um, how many illegals are coming over uh, every single day. I mean, we're looking at you know, between six and 10,000 a day. Uh, we're reaching upwards of 200,000 a month. Uh, vast majority of these crossings are in Texas. And the reason that is because it's the easiest place to sort of skirt the system. And that, that's because of the river. Um, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to build a wall in Arizona and California and New Mexico and uh, prevent them from even crossing into U.S. territory. But in Texas, you can't really do that because the, the border is actually in the middle of the river. And so you can build walls on our side, but they're still on our territory, and we still have to deal with them, and procedurally speaking, when they cross. And that's why Texas um, is the focal point of the crisis, really always has been. I mean, I've flown over Texas, and you guys have a border that's a long. It's pretty long border. Yeah, it's huge, and, and, and the focal points change right now. El Paso continues to be, I think, the probably the worst situation. Um, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons for why it changes. Sometimes it's the Rio Grande Valley, you know, near McAllen, and sometimes it's El Paso. In any case, it's thousands. I mean, it's thousands a day, and it's just completely overwhelming to to border patrol. They've Instead of actually patrolling the border, looking for security threats, you know, they're stuck. They're stuck being babysitters and nannies and bus drivers and and processing agents, which is which is not their job. And um, it's it's really taken a toll on the border patrol. It's taken a toll on their their morale. Um, you know, they don't know why they're there. They don't know what the point of their job is because they're not stopping anybody. They're just they're just. Uh, taking their name down and maybe taking some fingerprints and giving them a notice to appear and uh, they get paroled, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, and which we, we think is illegal. Um, you know, right now the attorney general of Florida has been in a long time lawsuit with the federal government. And I hope that goes somewhere. It would mean a great deal if that went to the Supreme court and the Supreme court sided with us to show that the administration has been, uh, has been overstepping their authority and paroling these people. So when we say catch and release, everybody knows the term catch and release. What that really means is is an overstepping of an authority of a paroling authority under U.S. law. So when it, when a, when a, when a migrant crosses illegally or even claims asylum, there is a there is a limited amount of there is a limited um, uh, authority for paroling. We believe the administration has exceeded that authority to an extensive degree. And if we can if we can prove that in the Supreme Court, we could change a lot here. It just seems like it's running wild. Does anybody understand? And maybe you understand the other side because I can't understand it. Why is President Biden, and I'm sure he's ordering uh, Secretary Mayorkas to do whatever it is, so it comes from the White House. Why are yeah, they I doing so, it? Why are they doing it? Look, uh, there's a few reasons. Um, 
why why liberals just don't really care about this issue or, or even want it to be an issue. So one is I, I, I think that uh, some Democrat strategists actually believe that the, that the more the more migrants are in the country, the, the better their election uh, chances are in, in the future and future decades. I think they believe that to some extent. Um, I think their minds work a little differently than conservative minds. Conservative minds tend to tend to believe in, in borders and and loyalty to kind of a nationality uh, and in a sense of patriotism that that means borders and sovereignty. It, that that tends when when liberals are 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 surveyed on those ideas, they score lower. Okay, they they it, it is not as important to them from a moral standpoint. That's just that's just in the scientific data and hundreds of thousands of, of surveys given on these on these issues. So there's a psychological factor there. Um, and and look, there's another there's another political factor, which is. The, the pro-immigration groups, I mean, the immigration groups that truly want, I mean, these are really, really radical uh, groups. They get a lot of funding. They're nonprofits. Uh, they're, they're advocacy groups. They truly do want to change the face of America. Um, you know, they, they are, they, right-wingers aren't, aren't, aren't really as paranoid as they make them out to be, because that is true that some people want to do that. There's, there's been a very, very few but they're very powerful, and they make a lot of money doing this. And so they have an interest in making sure that no deals are ever struck, that this problem continues and continues and continues and continues. And look, on the far right, the anti-immigration groups, they also have a, a, a stake in this because they make money by making sure the problem continues and continues and continues. And they'll battle anybody, any politician that tries to make a deal to stop this. And so it is up to us in Washington to – to make a deal, some kind of deal that stops this. And, and, and I'm going to do I'm going to try and go to Democrats this year and say, look, what what will it take for you guys to agree with us on, on securing aspects of this border? Like, how far can we push this? There are some Democrats that do believe this is actually a problem. But they'll never vote against their own party. So there's no solution. No, they won't. Look, I mean, what, what you'll see in the next few couple months probably is is the republicans will will we'll vote on what we call the texas border plan and that's just a um it's a conglomeration of multiple bills uh so many of which are my bills that fix the asylum loopholes fix the flores settlement fix a lot of complicated things add more money to infrastructure that, that, that this kind of stuff it would it would certainly secure the border if we passed this bill and it got signed into law now of course the senate won't take it up. Okay, it'll pass the House with flying colors on a partisan basis. The Senate will never take it up. It'll go nowhere. So then it'll be up to us to say, okay, Democrats, which aspects of this bill will you agree with? We'll take it. We'll take any win we can get to just just get a little bit of forward movement on on securing the border. Um, we'll we'll use the appropriations process to leverage them on that too because we can control that. Um, and we'll but we'll just have to play a lot of hardball and get as far as we can on securing it. So. It's just you, you got you got to do the political side of things um, up in Washington to get anything done. It's not going to be everything you want. We got to make sure that we don't get in our own way. See, because there's going to be some members who always want to vote against our own party just because we didn't get everything we wanted, and and that would be a very foolish thing to do because the only people that lose there are the American people. What else is is when when you can't sleep at night? Uh, what is another item that you're very concerned about? I think the two big priorities for the Republican Congress are going to be energy and the border. So we just talked about the border. Energy is another big one. 
Um, energy affects everyone's life. It'll either make you poor, it'll make you miserable, or it'll make you happy and prosperous. I would prefer happy and prosperous. Um, I'm concerned about where you live. I'm concerned about uh, the Northeast. You know, we've got the biggest, I think the, uh, the Marcellus uh, uh, shale, or the Marcellus shale gas reserves in Pennsylvania are some of the biggest in the world. And we can't get them to New York via pipeline, right? It's pretty cold up there. You know, it's even colder in places like Maine and Boston. And, and yet they prefer to, to truck and train or ship from Russia uh, natural gas to, to heat their homes. We, we've got to stop this nonsense. We've got to build pipelines. We've got to build pipelines throughout this country so that we can get uh, clean, affordable, and reliable energy to everyone and make sure that they stay warm in the wintertime and, 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 and stay cool in the summertime. Energy is, 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 is so important, and it's so important that we, that we have that leverage, that we remain energy independent, and that, we can, and that we have so much of it that we can export it around the world. And to the climate activists out there, to the people listening who say, okay, well, we've got to get away from fossil fuels. We've got we to gotta reduce our carbon emissions. Okay. Well, then the first thing you want to do is export more natural gas to countries that are primarily burning coal. Because coal emits about double or more than double what natural gas does. And so the best and quickest way to, to reduce emissions around the world is to, um, is to export more of American natural gas. It's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for our economy. It's a win for our energy independence. It's a win for the environmentalists. And yet the environmentalist left fights it tooth and nail. It's crazy. And, and so I'll, I'll make that argument until the day I die because it's so important. Well, I've said it on, uh, on television that uh, right now uh, Washington is punishing the poor and the middle class by having increased prices on gasoline and increased prices mm-hmm. on food. And if they, opened up, right. if they opened up the spigots in North America and the price of oil comes down, then the price of food will come down too and inflation goes away. Yeah, but, but, and that's correct. And, and, you know, the problem is, is they, they started this battle against oil and gas years ago uh, as soon as Biden took office. And it takes a couple of years of good policy for, for that production to come back up to where we need it to be. You, you can't just turn on the spig, and that's the problem. And so the longer they wait, um, the longer investors wait to, to drill that new well. And, um, and invest the billions of dollars needed to, to go drill offshore. They just won't do it if they don't see the market signals or they're, or they're worried that the, that the policymakers are going to detransition um, out of it. And that's, that's the problem they've been seeing. Um, it's, it's a combination of, of um, very burdensome regulations being proposed by the EPA and whatnot and then rolling back some of the Trump reforms on NEPA, which is an environmental process review. It's a combination of that and also just the rhetoric, just the threats. The threats alone um, put a chilling If If, if North America was self-sufficient, the threats would be a lot less. And uh, Congressman, we're out of time, but I wanted to thank you uh, for coming on this Sunday morning. And uh, uh, it's, it's all about uh, making, you know, I, I worry about our country uh, celebrating a 300th year if we keep going like this in 2076, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, I hope you're wrong. I hope we, we, yep. we, we've got to fix some things. Then we can be more optimistic. Thanks for having me. Congressman, thank you so much.